Hey y'all, I'm Tyler, and this is Outbound Sales Lift, where you can elevate your SDR team and transform your sales development efforts. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy this show, please consider dropping us a rating to help others find us, and you can also subscribe to get each episode delivered to you on Tuesdays, right when they're released. On today's episode, we're going to be covering account-based sales strategy, and I have the pleasure of being joined by none other than Chet Lovegren, aka the Sales Doctor. Chet, how's it going? What's up, Tyler? Happy to be here for our second go around because I know we're you had me on the podcast earlier this year. So that was a great convo. Looking forward to part two here. Yeah, looking forward to it as well. Chet is the head sales RXer at The Sales Doctor. He's also the host of The Sales RX podcast and the host of the Founders Formula podcast. So make sure you check out those podcasts. So Chet, when we think about like an account-based sales strategy, what does good look like there? If I'm an outbound team wanting to build that or start to create that, what should I be thinking about? Yeah, so there's a lot of things you should be thinking about, but I think the most important is to understand if you already had, like a great way to start is if you already have an inbound function, right? Like let's make the assumption that you've already had this inbound function, now, especially with the way the economy looks to a lot of people, outbound is really important because we're not seeing as much inbound traffic. You got to understand your data. I don't think you can really do anything unless you have the data. If you don't have the data, that's a completely different conversation. Um, but I'd venture to say that a lot of people listening probably have the data and are just looking to make an outbound shift. So using the data and working in tandem with like your customer success team, you really have to understand not just your your ICP and your persona and make that like really solid as everybody will tell you, but you really need to lock down your value proposition in three different pain points, right? So, you, so understanding, Hey, Tyler, what are the three things that your customers come and tell you after a year of being on our product or utilizing our service or our solution? Because that's your CS is your crystal ball for what is going to happen a year two, three years down the road with your customers. So it's a great place to get data and information and understand what is the trajectory of my customer look like? Mm. Because customers aren't coming to you to maintain. Typically they want to grow right. When they buy something they're looking to, you know, Hey, we just had to let some people go. We need to implement some software to help us scale and automate some of those tasks. Um, Hey, our, our, our offering ourselves is growing and we need something to help us manage that workload, or we need a tool that can help us bring in more ROI in this regard. Like, the services typically should have some form of ROI. So in essence, their business is going to grow. So what does that growth look like? And what do those additional growth challenges look like? Mm -hmm. Especially if you're in software, think about this. I used to, we used to talk about this in warehouse management all the time when I sold WMS software as an individual contributor. It is so hard to implement a WMS because it's such a technical product. Mm -hmm. A lot of what our value proposition was around was that, this is not a Band-Aid solution, something you set up and then in two years you have to change again. You implement this, you're a customer for life. Like we have customers that have been around 10, 15 years since the inception of the software at that time. And that's a really important thing for those people because they understand how complicated it is to migrate all the data, all their customer data that they're servicing. All I mean, some of these warehouses have hundreds of thousands of SKUs that they have for their barcodes and their, their serial numbers and things like that. So it's a very complicated process. And what kind of happens in that world is a pain point is that somebody will do most of what they do off spreadsheets or in a Microsoft dynamic setup that somebody built in their IT team on a local server. And then they'll implement one or two little pieces of software like to help with small parcel shipping or something of that nature. And they're band-aiding a bunch of stuff. And then they have to upgrade because the cost for those small parcels got too big with that enterprise level of software where they could get the same thing somewhere else cheaper. Mm. They have to do new implementation. So we understand 
that growth pain point, we were able to sell against it. Mm. Um, so that's that's really important. I think the very first thing is working with CS to understand what does a business that's been around for three to five years look like that mm. we're talking to? What about 10 years? What do our two-year customers look like? And how can we help align value props to what their growth trajectory and their pain points are going to look like. Right. When you talk about working with the CS team, do you think it's a matter of just like going and interviewing the CS team or do you want to try to hear the voice of the customer as well? I mean, how do you balance like talking to the internal team and then talking maybe to actual customers or listening to call recordings, that kind of thing? It's a combination of all of it. When I started as an SDR manager at 3PL Central, I moved from an AE into an SDR manager role. They were primarily focused on inbound. And so I was tasked with, growing the inbound side, but also building a complete outbound BDR program. Mm. And so part of what that was is I already had a lot of that feedback because I had done that in, in the CS land. Um, but it is, it's going and saying, Hey, if I'm building an outbound program as an SDR leader, go find some QBRs to sit on some quarterly business reviews. See if you can shadow a CS person for an hour twice a week. Yep, And just kind of see what they're doing, what they're working on, how their interactions are going. It's a lot harder now that we're in this Zoom world <laughs> um, than it was before. But you, you got to find a way to make it work. And then it is about interviewing the CS leader, interviewing key people on the CS team, whether that's like a senior CSM or enterprise CSM even, to really understand like what are our customers talking about, what's important yep. to them. And it's easier said than done, right? Like who wants more meetings? But this the, when you're building an outbound process, and a strategy, the messaging has to be good, if not better than your process, right? Mm. Because it's it's the thing that's going to get them to pull the trigger. Like you could have the best process in the world and absolute crap messaging and nothing's going to work. Yeah. Doesn't mean you can skimp on process and just do all messaging. You kind of have to balance the two out, but the messaging is crafted by what you're learning in CS. And that's where you really got to spend some time to understand yeah. your customer. So do you think the messaging, should it be substantially different for an inbound motion versus an outbound motion, or should they pretty much mirror each other? There are some things that are going to play off each other because you're still the same company, the same product selling into the same ICP, but there are key differences. Um, I've always said that on the inbound side, I'm a fan of the challenger sale because that person is probably looking at several other companies. Um, so education of not only the problems that they're going to have two, three, four years down the road once they buy this type of software, but also educating them on one of my favorite things from Challenger is these are three things other companies are going to tell you you don't need. This is why they're going to tell you that. And this is why I'm telling you that you do need it. Like that was such an expertise level challenging question mm -hmm. to get people to think critically as they were going through the buying process. But when you're doing outbound, people aren't raising their hand. You're kind of helping them raise their hand, right? right? Like you're, you're, you're getting you're that door ajar yourself, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, you're kicking in the door, waving yeah. the floor for as Biggie used to say. Right. Um, <laughs> and, and so I'm a fan of like gap selling from Keenan on mm -hmm. that side yep. because it does a great job of showing you like, he tells a story about the Blackberry that he had when he was traveling and it would always die. And he left his Blackberry charger at home and he was at an airport and the guy kept telling him like, well, why don't you get this case? It would be a lot better for your Blackberry. He's like, I don't need a case. I need a charger because I left my charger at home. My Blackberry dies a lot. And then by the end of the, the, the whole interaction, he goes, let me tell you why I'm recommending this case. This button that you have on the, that's getting depressed all the time with your current case is a button that drains the Blackberry's battery. We have these cases that have an open hole where that button is so it's not constantly being yep. pressed when it's in your pocket. And your BlackBerry dies faster because you don't 
have the right case for it. So you don't really need a charger. I mean, you do immediately to solve this problem, but in the long run, that's just a core symptom. That's a symptom of the core problem. Mm, yeah. The core problem is that you have this button that's being pressed all the time. And the guy knew that because he's the expert and yep. he won Keenan over because he's the expert and he built trust because he's the expert and he knows what he's talking about. So like I said that all the time at Pavilion, I was like, we're calling sales leaders, trying to get them on a corporate group membership. Yep. But we need to show them that, Hey, the content and the stuff that we put together for training and enablement has been built with the customer base that we have, the 10,000 members that we have yep. at our back. We have 10,000 members worth of feedback, mm. worth of use cases to look at, test results. Those VPs of sales have maybe three head of sales, VPs of sales stints managing 20 to 30 people at any given time, less than 200 people under their belt managing. So what would I take? Would I want to take the experience of someone who's led 200 people or this someone who's led 10,000 people, right. right? We are the expert. That's why we can leverage that. And typically the problems they think like, great example, we're not cold calling enough. Mm -hmm. So what is, is that a symptom of a core problem or is that you're really your core problem? Are you not hitting your numbers because you're not cold calling enough or are you not cold calling enough because people aren't convicted that it works because you're not showing them the data. So yep. bad leadership, um, people aren't cold calling enough because they're not disciplined because you haven't trained them on how to better manage their energy and their focus. Again, bad leadership, bad enablement, bad training. So you have all these other actual problems that are symptoms of this core problem, which is bad leadership, which yep. is usually what it is, right? When people can't perform at a higher clip. It should fall on leadership. It doesn't often enough, right. um, but it's about how do you enable and train that leader to enable and train their people and be an advocate for them. Maybe they don't want to cold call because they're burnout because the person that's been there 18 months, who's at the top of the leaderboard still hasn't gotten promoted to AE. And we're still hiring AEs from outside the company when we have this promotion path that we want to brag yep. about on LinkedIn, but nobody's getting to where they need to go. <laughs> and so it's like, okay, yeah. that's a leadership problem. You know yeah. what I mean? Why don't we promote that person? So there's typically the problems that people think they have on the outbound are really just symptoms of a core problem. And that's why I love gap selling because then you turn these $10,000 problems into $100,000 problems, yep. if not more. Yep. And that drives urgency and need. So like, don't show up to a discovery call on outbound and go, Hey, what brings you to the call today? Well, you called me That's what you're <laughs> nine times out of 10, yeah. but you use good discovery language to try to uncover those additional problems and then yep. draw them into a core problem that you're aware of because you're the expert. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up both challenger and gap selling because, you know, I've always kind of struggled to view challenger as like almost a sales methodology. It almost seems more like a mindset than like step-by-step mm. -step tactics. Whereas it feels like gap selling and, and what Keenan talks about is a little bit more prescriptive, like a little bit easier for a rep to follow, at least doing good discovery, which I feel like is what gap selling focuses on. And that's where all deals are lost in one anyways. But I hear a lot of companies, oh, we, we use challenger, right? We use challenger. Is that is that a sales methodology or is that more of a mindset? Like where do where do you land on like what is Challenger, you know, and how does that compare to Gap? I've always felt like it was a sales methodology and maybe I was wrong in the way that I was reading it, but I mean, calling it, you know, it is the challenger sale. Yeah. I think there's, there's two sides of it. There's an operational side that works for sellers and there's also a structure side that works for leaders because mm -hmm. they talk about the different types of sellers, the relationship builder, right. the lone wolf, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think it's, it's a healthy combo of both instruction for leaders on how to build sales teams. And so you could call that like process and mindset, Yeah, yeah. but it's also tactical in a lot of ways like the one where they're talking about the questions. Yeah. I would do that as a seller in warehouse management all the time. Hey, this is why this company will not tell you how much 
time they're going to spend with you during implementation or why they say their implementation timeline is free because they press a button, you're good to go. And then you're just supposed to press buttons and then figure it out on your own. Yeah. They have training videos inside the software. Like we sit you down with a real person one-on-one via zoom, 10 hours a week over four weeks to actually get this all set up, get a test customer live, all these kinds of things. So you can enable yourself moving forward. And that was like, Oh, so I get it. That's why you guys can charge me X amount for implementation other people won't charge me for implementation so now i'm defeating that objection yeah because i'm on the front end yeah well like and telling them why it's important the teach tailor take control i mean like that really resonated with me from challenger but like it's almost like you need the teach element whether you're doing challenger or gap or banner whatever like now there has to be some kind of consultative teaching that's happening where you're educating a customer either about a problem that they already know exists or maybe they one that they didn't know existed. How do you enable like teams to to teach, have their reps teaching, right? Teaching, consultative, right? What does that look like as you're trying to set up a sales org that is consultative, that does teach, that does tailor to the, to the prospect's needs? I think awareness is a big part of it. And a lot of, I mean, I don't want to tell you the real feeling behind the answer because the real feeling behind the answer is there's way too many damn salespeople and a lot of them suck. <laughs> That's the problem. <laughs> so they just need to get better. Like you just need to be better at thinking on your feet. Yeah. Oh, what was the big, big Palantir, I think was the name of the company. Palantir. And they didn't have, yeah, they didn't have, they didn't have sales reps. They only had engineers. Okay. And there were two, there were two books and, and I might be, I might be totally messing this up and I'm sure someone else that's into, into software <laughs> and leadership is probably could fix my answer here, but the, the, I'm going to paraphrase the answer, so to speak. Okay. What they did from my understanding was instead of hiring salespeople, they had their engineers read two books. Okay. The first book was about a group of people that were firefighters at ground zero on nine 11 fighting through adversity and this, that, the other. Hmm. So it was about like mental toughness yep. rising to the occasion. It was kind of like a raw, raw, raw book. And then the second book was a more tactical driven book. And I believe it was a book about improv written by the gal who started second city in Chicago. Okay. Yeah. And those so they were trying books- to teach these engineers how to sell first with mindset teaching them how to sell (laughs) first with mindset second with like improvisational like basically teaching them instincts about how to manage like a conversation and a sales process Mm -hmm. okay yep and then and then once that was figured out the tactical stuff okay started to make more sense right because a lot of reps also and you probably hear it evaluating software as well because i know you work with companies building their teams and so you're probably helping them implement software you hear it in these calls all the time too. It's like, what are your pain points? What are your problems? Like we know the box <laughs> checking things, but it's like, yeah. how can you ask that question better? Like Nate Nasralla does a really good job when he's trying to bring in multiple decision uh, decision makers. And he'll say like, to understand if this is actually a problem at the company, he would go, so, hey, I'm curious to hear what are the thoughts and challenges that your boss is sharing with you in one-on-ones or mm. what is it at the company town halls, what is top of mind for your yeah. CEO and your founders? That's such because- a better way to ask that question. <laughs> exactly. It's the same exact question, but like I always tell reps, you can't use those inside baseball terms like pain points and demo. Like you can't mm-hmm. use that on the phone with a prospect because nobody talks that way. Nobody mm-hmm. says, man, these pain points are getting us down. Nobody says that. So I think you've got to use the voice of the customer. And I love the conversational nature of that question now. Yeah, because if I'm an SDR leader and I'm going to someone and I'm trying to buy, let's call it like a dialer, a power dialer yeah, yeah. or something, right? It's just top of mind for me right now because a power dialer is a hot space. Uh-huh. 
And it's because I think people are lacking in activity and we don't yep. have enough pipeline. But then in the all hands, what we're talking about is how bad our year one churn is. When mm. I get a $100,000 solution to put in front of my CFO, do you think he's really going to like be interested in that if pipeline is not top of conversation? And so it helps you as a seller understand what other problems and priorities am I going up against? But yep. you need to understand that. You need to understand that that's going to be a thing that you're dealing with. A sale is an equal exchange of information mm -hmm. that hopefully leads to a win on both sides. What's your pricing? What does your software look like? What is this? What is that? That's what the prospect's wondering. We're wondering, hey, what other problems am I going up against in the organization? What level of decision-making authority do you have? Not that we should follow BANT, but there is a buying influence yes. metric that we need to track. Right. Um, how many other people should really be roped into this call? And But you don't say that. Like, how many times do people go, who's going to be the signer on this? Black. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> how, about, how about asking... Who else would this software decision affect on a day-to-day -day basis? Yep, exactly. Yeah. Oh, it's going to affect our RevOps people who have to set it up. My VP of sales is going to want to take a look at all the metrics and yep. reporting and we'll probably want to have some admin access. Great. Then I would recommend, like, since you're tactically day-to-day -day running the operation, a lot of this is going to fall on you. Let's bring your head of RevOps. Let's bring your VP yep. of sales on that call so we can get the other side of the coin and get all the things that maybe you and I don't think about talking about on that demo. Yeah. Now you got more buy-in, right? Now you have the people that are actually going to sign showing up and 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 on the call looking to buy looking to buy software. I'm surprised at some of the softwares that I've evaluated in the last six months where they were okay with just demoing it to me. Just demoing it right out of the gates. Just like, yeah, yeah we'll show you the tool. Yeah, yeah we can't yeah. wait. <laughs> Nobody asked me about anybody else or tried to push right. for anybody to be on that call. You're not making this way. decision alone, Chet? I thought it yeah. was just you there at the yeah. company. Like, <laughs> yeah, It's just me. But that's just awareness, right? So that's yeah. why I say it's awareness. Yeah. It's about being able to train people on awareness. But again, Tyler, unfortunately, some people in sales just aren't that aware and aren't strategic mm. in that fashion, and they shouldn't be in sales. Right. That's, that's, the, that's the hard truth of it, which sucks, but it's all about that awareness and understanding yeah. and, and a little logic and strategy. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. If we were to think back, though, to, like, we talk about framing better questions, right, making that more conversational or making it contextual or just, you know, asking those right questions in the right way, how do we, like, if we were to go like back in the sales process as we're just starting to reach out to folks, right? If we're doing mm -hmm. that outbound, like should we be putting those questions in our messaging as well to try to pique their curiosity in a cold email on a cold call? Like, should those be like leading? We should lead with that? Or or where do you think those kind of questions fit in at the very beginning of a sales interaction when we're just trying to get our, get our foot in the door? Well, so over text, cold email, video outreach, yep. LinkedIn message, social DM, whatever can you really have a good back and forth conversation? Rarely. So that's part of what I talk about in the strategy guide is like outbound when you're doing written communication needs to be educational and thought provoking. Don't try to get people to understand your point of view, get them to think critically about what you're talking about. Mm. You're not looking for a response other than, yes, I'm interested in learning more. Yes, I want to see how you were able to help that team do that. Yes, I want to see how you were able to, you know, help that CRO double their pipeline. That's what we're working on. We're not trying to have a conversation about their pain points or this or that. Like, we don't want to do that until we're actually, now, if it's a cold call, right, yeah. or a discovery call or a qualification call, yes, there's a lot of ways we can do that. But one of the big places that people fail is in, hey, here's a list of five things that we solved. Does any of this resonate with you? Yeah. Oh, 
God's sake. And it's just overwhelming, too, because the list is so exhaustive. Like, I mm-hmm. listen to reps doing role plays all the time, and their managers will give them these scripts, and the script is, like, value prop A, value prop B, value prop C. Are any of those top of mind for you? And it's like, my gosh, we just brought up so many different things that, mm-hmm. I mean, are they top of mind? Of course they are, because that's my job. But, like, you haven't, like, connected anything to me that doesn't resonate, and usually it just gets, I feel like they're tuning out immediately. When I hear somebody start reeling off a list of things, it's like, okay, you've already lost them. You've just, you've lost the prospect. So, I mean, it's a dating game. Yes. If you go to a bar and you meet someone that you're interested in and you say, Hey, these are five of my great qualities. Do any of these interest you? Like how freaking weird is that? Whereas you set, you set the tone and you go, Hey, look, like I'm a hilarious person. I'm driven like this, yep. that, the other. And then you compliment the person. Mm-hmm. Then they're like, Oh yeah, I'm into this. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you're setting the stage for who you are. I think, you know, I think, I think you're beautiful and you're really smart. I love hanging out with you, you know, whatever. Yeah. Do the same thing in email. Yep. Hey, as, as a VP of sales, Tyler, this is what we know. Most VPs of sales growing uh, their business struggle with when they're trying to build an outbound program. If any of this sounds interesting to you, I'd love to have a chat about how we were able to help so-and-so VP of sales or similar company, right? Also, either way, love what you're doing over there. Congrats on the new hires. Like, Close it off with a compliment, Yep. but it's about educating and like-minded and action by association because that creates FOMO. And then Tyler's going, Oh shoot. Oh, yeah. who are doubling their pipeline in an right. economic downturn are doing this. I better do that. I want to keep my job yeah. too. Yeah, so exactly. I better pay attention. Right. And that's, so, that's the key with outbound. You're like planting that seed, right? You're planting mm-hmm. the seed. It's almost like folks try to plant all the seeds at the same time. And they're trying to plant the whole garden at the same time. It's like, no, all you need is one seed to grow a little bit and you've opened the door for conversation. Now it's time to schedule time to explore that one seed further. Then you can tell them about the rest of the garden, but I think Mm -hmm. folks just inundate with everything. Let's just tell them everything. And hopefully one of those will resonate. Yeah. And get, and thinks you got to remember, like, People still think selfishly and make buying decisions the same way they would in their personal life. I don't buy a software differently than I buy a truck. I just don't. I've realized that because I went through that process and I was like, I didn't talk to people that were just like, oh, you want to look at the car? It's like, well, I don't know which one's right for me. Like, I actually need some help in this process. Do I want a Ford Ranger? Do I want a Ford Maverick? What do I want? Why would I want this? Why would I want that? This is a hybrid. Do I want to trade hybrid to sit a little higher up? Mm-hmm. How do my kids feel in the car? I brought my kids one day to the dealership to sit in both the different trucks. How much legroom do they have? Is my two and a half year old going to keep kicking my seat? Or is he actually <laughs> going to have, have a little extra room? Because maybe the truck's a little longer. Yeah. I need a six foot bed because I qualify for tax deductions if the bed's over six feet. Like, these are all things that, like, if you're if you understand why I might be looking at a truck, or like what other truck buyers have been into, you can sell it to me better. Mm-hmm. It's the same way in software. If you're just taking my word for everything and you think I got a blank check and I'm the person yep. that's gonna do all of it and this, that, the other, and you're not asking me about timelines or problems, yep. you gotta strive for a little bit more there. You know what I mean? Yep. A little bit more depth. Yep, 100%. What else haven't we discussed when it comes to creating this account-based strategy You know, for inbound, outbound teams, you know, sales development teams? Anything else we haven't touched on that you think is important and relevant here, Chet? Yeah, I, I know we talked a lot about messaging, but I do yeah. want to stress that process is still important. Okay. Like at the end of the day, nobody's going to be a perfect seller. Perfect is the enemy of great. And so you should be looking to define good and then find out what makes someone great. I can tell you, I know some account executives that are probably going to clear minimum 300K this year that were former SDRs and BDRs of mine. 
And if I got on one of their discos today, I could still tell you I'd come up with 40 different things they could do better, right? It's always <laughs> going to be that way. But what I know makes them top sellers is they can manage their energy. They can manage their focus. They know how to time block. They know how to stay task agnostic. Like they're going to go self-generate some ops because their SDR team is not filling their pipeline. They're going to sit there and spend 25 minutes making 20 calls. And after every call, they're going to write their note down on a piece of paper and then go put it in the CRM after five minutes where average sellers that are also average on the phone, which it's okay to be average on the phone, but average in process is going to kill you mm. because those people will go make four cold calls in 25 minutes because after every cold call, oh, Tyler's actually the real decision maker. Let me go prospect. Let me add the notes. Let me do right. all that. Next thing you know, it's like, wow, I made four cold calls and you're exhausted because you just did all this admin work. Whereas mm -hmm. if you just knock out 20 calls in a 25 minute sprint and then you go spend five minutes doing your admin yep. work, you're going to be like, okay, cool. What's the next thing? I'm going to go bang out five video messages. Sweet. Let's go do that for 25 minutes. Then I'm going to spend five minutes emailing each one. That's the other thing. Like video outreach, don't send them one by one. You know who you got to send your videos to. Look at your five video tasks that you want to accomplish. Go create each of those videos. Yep. Then go send them out one by one with your last five minutes. Follow, follow the Pomodoro method, you know, 25 yep. minutes on, five minutes off. But it's about that that process is almost equally as important um, because, yeah, I know plenty of average sellers right. who are great at the things that other people aren't, which are it's the discipline stuff. It's the consistency stuff. How do we as like as leaders, like leading these reps, how do we make our reps good at this? Is it a matter of just like educating them, training them, holding them accountable to these things? Uh, because a lot of these reps don't come in knowing these methods, these tactics, mm -hmm. these tricks to make their, their time more smooth. So what, what's our responsibility as leaders to make sure our reps, the majority of our reps are doing these things? So it goes a step higher. If you're a VP of sales, you need to make sure you should, you should like the problem is most VP of sales probably don't even follow this themselves. I can tell don't you, like, follow the really, the methods we're talking about like best practices yeah. from the top reps yeah. yeah they're 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 like and i can tell you because i communicate with people like that during in slack yeah and i'm in a network and i'm talking to vp sales i'm like how did i just send you a message and you responded in like three minutes what are you doing with your day shouldn't you be busy doing other stuff shouldn't <laughs> i be receiving a message from you an hour and a half later like right. that's how i know like that's how i know you're good at this stuff because i remember in the pavilion community when you and i would chat if i sent you a message it'd be like later that night or like the next <laughs> yeah. morning and it's okay because it's not urgent i'm asking you about podcast right. equipment you know what i'm saying right exactly like, hey, exactly I have my time to go check my pavilion slack you know right exactly well if out. the time is all the time then like you said how are you spending your time i mean if you're exactly. always available i also think you're training like the wrong thing if you're always immediately responding to every slack we're just training that i I'm always available on Slack 24 seven ping me anytime. Cause I'm never doing mm -hmm. anything. Like I think you have to block it either at the leadership level, at the rep level. And I agree reps are watching what their leaders are doing. They're yeah. watching and they're looking to mirror that behavior. Cause they know that's the seat I want to sit in. I'm going to mirror what that guy or gal is doing. Uh, mm -hmm. But if you're mirroring bad behavior, maybe they're thinking like, maybe I shouldn't be at this company. So <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, and like, right. If a VP of sales doesn't know how to do that, like, VPs of sales should be helping enable their leaders that they support, not their direct reports, their direct supports to be able to enable the team below them. Mm. But it starts at that level. If yeah. And if my leader doesn't know how to do it, if I'm an SDR leader, whether I'm an SDR manager reporting to a director, or I'm a director reporting to a head, or I'm yep. a head reporting to a VP of sales if or a CRO, if my leader does not how to do that, I mean, well, you're listening to the podcast, you can go learn how to do it now because mm -hmm. you're, it's, 
again, awareness. Yep. And I think that's just something like being really committed to professional development and enablement over the course of the last four to five years, I've had a focus on this stuff and I picked it up. So if mm. people, but if people don't care and they're not focused on it, they're not going to learn how, so you can't enable your reps to do it. So yep. the, 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 how you do it is, I mean, you have to learn about it yourself. There's yep. a lot of different ways you can learn about it. I mean, Kevin Dorsey has great stuff about what they call time management, even though you can't really manage time because you can only manage something if you control the presence or absence thereof and time's going to happen anyway, but like and managing your energy, your yep. focus, time blocking, even if you just look up like block scheduling on YouTube, you'll find like eight different videos that'll help you understand how you can set up a calendar and a routine. Um, Noah Kagan, uh, founder and CEO of AppSumo mm -hmm. has like a great thing about how he structures his day as a multimillionaire CEO and founder. It's like a 20 minute video and he talks about color coordinating his calendars and like prioritizing tasks and Fridays look a little different than Mondays yep. and here's why. And I mean, you just have to want to go find it. But once you find some sort of structure, yeah, then you can push it out to the team. Right. And then spot check. I pull up reps calendars all the time to make sure they have block schedules set up. Yeah. And, that, sure and that's a key blocks. piece too right there is that spot check, that accountability. Like, hey, we talked mm -hmm. about this. Here's the resource. Now go and implement. And now what are you, are you checking them the week later? A week later, let's go look at the calendar. What does it look like? Have they already forgotten it? Is out Because all the training flies out of their head immediately after they after they get it. It's a matter of like, follow-up accountability spot check like those kind of things are so crucial one of the best things my former CR, my my former leader cro at 3pl central now named extensive dan salazar told me was inspect what you expect mm. too many leaders are reactive and go we need to get better time management boom here's a block scheduling program and then they never spot check the calendar they never wonder why a rep's messaging them ASAP when they're asking them a non-important question. They're looking at someone's day and wondering why they made 20 cold calls as opposed to 50 and not investigating their time with them or doing a time audit or talking about it in a one-on-one. -on -one. Yep. So it's like people aren't convicted or think it's important because you don't ever visit again. That's reactive mm. leadership. Yep. You have to be diligent and understand. Like I have, a, I have a list of things that I put in front of people. And I save it on like things we're focused on. And that's a focus. And I put it in front of people every meeting. Hey, we're working on we're working on our block scheduling right now. We're working on our objection handling, like, you know, almost like OKRs, right? You yep. got to have a rolling list of things you're focused on. Because then when you're looking at it every day, you're like, hey, aside from refreshing a dashboard and looking at the numbers, what can I inspect to make sure what I expect is being completed? Yeah, I like that inspect expect uh like framework mm -hmm. there i think that's awesome um chet thanks so much for coming on uh you can find chet on linkedin and at the salesdocrx.com um, he's got a great guide in his featured section called the sales rx sequence sequence guide is i get that did i get that name right chet the sales yep. rx sequence guide it's 100 free a couple hours worth of videos so go there sign up all you need is an email um, but definitely go check that out and i hope you enjoyed this episode of the outbound sales lift if if you need help elevating your SDR team, please visit our website at thesaleslift.com to learn more. Also, make sure you hit subscribe wherever you get podcasts to check out next week's episode filled with some more great ideas on transforming your sales development efforts. Thanks again for listening. And remember, no sales starts until you book that meeting. Y'all have a good one. Bye.